You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Acts 1 8. Um, but if you but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And first Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. When someone stands up and says, you need to be a witness for Jesus, how does that make you feel? I hate it. I absolutely do not enjoy being told I need to be a witness for Jesus. I don't enjoy always being a witness for Jesus. And I don't always know how I need to be a witness for Jesus. There's lots of thoughts and there's lots of questions and there's lots of emotions that go through my mind. I grew up in an era when uh, in college we went door to door and did what was called cold calling and you just knocked on the door and you had your points and you asked certain questions and you always asked the same questions at every door uh, and the intent was to try to bring that person to a place of acknowledging that they were a sinner and they needed Jesus and then acknowledging Jesus as their savior um, and then making a commitment to come to church that evening to this like grand service that we were all going to have that was very, very evangelistic and get them to walk down the aisle and come to the altar and kneel and pray because they had to make a public acknowledgement uh, to really officially and absolutely be saved. Um, And I'll be honest with you, I just absolutely did not like that. I didn't enjoy doing all of that. Uh, And it didn't didn't feel right. It didn't feel natural. It didn't feel good to me. Um, And I've talked to various ones of you, and you've also shared your stories. And uh, the reality is that we have some horror stories that we could tell. We've got some great stories we can tell. uh, But the horror stories seem to sort of outweigh uh, some of the other. But the reality is that according to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that Josh read for us, we receive power from the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the Scripture says that we will be a witness. Jesus says this to his disciples. This is what he leaves with the followers. These are his last words, if you will. Now you think about that. If you were going to speak to someone for the very last time, what would be the things that you would say to them? What would be the most important thing to leave with them? And Jesus says, I'm going to go away, but you will receive power. When that power comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. It doesn't say witnesses, open-ended, but you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will witness of me. And I think that that's something that we all probably have wrestled with from time to time. What does that mean? And, and, and how, how do I do that? How do I live that out? And there, you know, there are nights where I've laid awake thinking, gosh, how do I do this, Jesus? How do I, how do I witness? And what is, what is that really supposed to look like? And how does it work? And how do I not feel like a failure when it doesn't work? 
How do I not feel condemned when I share the gospel with someone and they don't receive my message and there I am and what do I do? And so we get put in these predicaments. And at the same time, in 1 Peter, Paul's saying to, or Peter's writing to us and he says, hey, you need to always be prepared because you're going to need to make a defense. In other words, you're going to have, you're going to, have to give a defense and you should to anyone who asks you. But this is, this is the hope that is in you. And when people ask, you need to have a reason. You need to have a defense that you can give. And when you do that, you do that with gentleness and with respect. With gentleness and with respect. Regardless of how that person may respond or how that person may see you or, or, or no matter what they might say or what tone or what countenance or, or whatever. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of crazy things that can happen when you witness to someone about Jesus. I remember in the early 70s, which was the time when I got saved, I was the proverbial hippie. Many of you have heard my story. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I just got dramatically, wonderfully, miraculously saved out of drugs and alcohol and, and all of that stuff, and uh, found a little country church, a little holiness church that made you toe the line with a measure of legalism you could never imagine. But somehow I must have needed that for the pendulum to swing back to some balance, and so there I was. I found myself in this, this uh, tremendously legalistic church, but there um, I was sharing my heart with people who loved me and cared about me, and, and I was growing, and and so in the, in the midst of that, uh, the pastor said, I, I'd like for you to go to a conference. And so you'll need to, to go to, to this, this campground um, in North Georgia. And, and our denomination owns that campground. And there's going to be this speaker there. I think he'd be just great for you. And story a lot like yours got saved and, and delivered out of drugs and alcohol and, and other stuff. And, and uh, I think you would really relate to this guy. So I want you to, want you to go to this. And I said, sure, I, I'll go. And got in my car. Um, my dad had, had bought me a, 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 a used Bonneville, a great big Bonneville. Like, I mean, this was before bucket seats, you know, so I had this long seat that I could sleep on in this car, you know, and I'd drive in this big car by myself, and I'd go to this camp, and, and I'd listen to this speaker, and he's got all that southern flair and flavor and charisma and all that stuff, and I just had a great time and felt full of God, and, and the, the last message was a message about going into all the world and and I got a heart to share the gospel of Jesus and I was ready to share and I remember taking a shower on the campgrounds that morning and getting ready to get in my Bonneville and and drive the the hours of driving time it would take to get back home to my family and I remember reaching into my duffel bag and pulling out a t-shirt and it was a t-shirt that was basically a shirt that we had been given because it would be a witness of Jesus I don't wear those t-shirts anymore. I put my t-shirt on. I got in my car and I thought, well, someone will see my shirt and they'll know I love Jesus and they'll ask me about Jesus and they'll want me to share Jesus with them and I'll share Jesus with them and they'll get saved and it'll be great. And I pulled in a couple of hours down the road to a gas station to get car in this great big Bonneville that drank gas like a horse drinks water. And I put my gas in, in the car, and all of a sudden this guy says, Hey! And I turned around, and there was a man standing there, a big man. 
And he goes, what's that? And I go, excuse me? And he goes, that shirt you're wearing, what's that Jesus stuff all about? You one of them? And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> right now, I don't want to say I'm one of yours. I'm scared to death. And then there's this, there's this, this voice in the back of me that's almost condemning, saying, you got a witness. you got a witness. You're a witness of Christ. you got a witness. And I go, I believe in Jesus. And then I shouldn't have done it, but I said, how about you? Would you like to hear about Jesus? And I'm not making this up now. He literally came over. And as he was coming over, I was seeing much more how big he was. And so I was kind of backing into my Bonneville. It's a big car, and I'm kind of backing in. But he reaches in, and he brings me out of the Bonneville with his hands clutched, his fist clutched on Jesus, and just pulled me out of the car. And I won't give you the expletives, but he said, I could stomp whatever out of you right now. Tell me this, boy, is your Jesus going to save you then? And I could smell the alcohol on his breath, and I could feel him close to me, closer than someone should be to me, and standing there and not letting go of me and feeling the tightness of my shirt pulling me up under my armpits because this guy was so big and he was tugging at me. And I said, I'm really sorry. I don't mean to offend you. And he goes, you don't offend me. You make me sick. I got offended a long time ago. And you don't even know. You have no idea. You don't understand. These are the kind of things that are coming out of his mouth. And I said, no, I don't understand. I'm really sorry. I don't understand. And then... My voice was quivering, obviously, and I said, "Ah, uh, please, would you just let me go? Could you just let me go? And there's something in the back of my head was going, this isn't going right. This isn't the way it's supposed to go. And now I'm, I'm am I denying you, God? Am I, was this a, am I supposed to be willing to die for you literally? Is that, I mean, I heard all this stuff in, in the conference. You know, I, I heard all of these things. I bought into them. I bought into everything, God. I'm a new Christian. I I'm trying to do this right, and, and now here I am, and you're sovereign, and this doesn't feel safe, and this doesn't feel right, and this doesn't feel good. And so what, what do I do? And it was like in an amazing moment, the guy just let go of me, and I literally fell back in, into my car. And I, I said, I, I'm really sorry. I, I, I need to go. And he said, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> And he literally runs around and gets in the front seat of my big seat, Bonneville. And he's sitting there in the seat, in the passenger side. And I'm sitting there behind the steering wheel. And I, I'm like, I'm looking at him going, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe this is happening to me, God. Please, just get him out of here. Like, get, I'm looking around. And it seems like all these guys that had been standing outside in front of the service station prior to this moment had suddenly disappeared. There was nobody but me and this man. And I'm like, God, what am I going to do? This guy, he could hurt me. Oh, he could hurt me, believe me. He said, take me to the store. There's a, there's a little handy store down, the, down the, by my trailer. And I went, oh, Lord, he lives, 
in a trailer here in this town, and he's probably very dangerous, and I'm, I don't know what to do. Long story short, I take him, and he buys eggs and milk, and he gets, I waited. I had my chance. I should have just, when he got out to get the eggs and the milk, I should have left. <laughs> There's still a part of me, maybe it was just my idealism, altruism, I don't know, maybe it was just my stupidity, but I waited for him because he said, you wait right here. Don't leave. And there was a part of me deep down in my heart that said, I, he, he doesn't want me to go. And I kind of nodded yes, so I sort of need to, to stay because I told him I would stay. He came out, he got in the car, he said, take me to my trailer. I took him to his trailer. And he, he said, wait right here. And I thought, what's he going to do now? He took, the, he took the stuff inside. He came back out. He had a little bag. He said, I'm going to show you something. He said, you think you're big, don't you? Because you're a Christian. You think you're almighty. You think you're all puffed up. You think you're better than me, don't you? You, think you, you, you just think you're so special because you're a Christian. He said, I've been down that road. I got condemned. I got, my, I got a finger pointed at me. I, 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 know, I know how you all act all holier than thou. He opened that bag and pulled out a 357 Magnum pistol. And at that moment, I did not want to be a follower of Jesus. I was confronted with the reality that I loved my life more than I loved my Jesus. And I didn't want to die. And I had, a, I had like a, an angst, a confrontation, an internal chaos happen in me in that moment. And I looked at that gun. I didn't know it was a 357 Magnum. He told me that in a few minutes. I didn't know what kind of gun it was. I just knew it was a gun. And I took a breath and I said, what, um, what are you going to do? And he said, I just want to tell you something. You say you live by your Jesus. This is what I live by. This takes care of me. This is what I hold on to when I fall asleep at night. This is what I pray to. This is what I worship. This is what's going to get me through. This is what's going to take care of me. And he said, look at you. You're all scared. I don't know what happened. But I think it was Jesus and nothing else but Jesus. And I think Jesus realized that I couldn't do anything else and I was beyond myself and I was about to have a nervous breakdown. And he took over. And I looked that man in the eye and as simply as I could with tears running down my cheeks, not tears because I had compassion for him, I was scared to death of him, but tears just because I was so scared. I looked at him and said, I think you're just as afraid as I am. And he swore at me. And he says, what are you talking about? And I said, I think you're just as afraid as I am. Because you have a gun. I'm afraid because I don't have anything to protect me but God. I find it hard to trust in something you can't see and touch, don't you? See, I can see this gun and I can touch this gun. And what you have, you can't see and you can't touch. See, I'm smart and you're stupid. 
And I said, I think you're afraid. And he goes, you're repeating yourself, boy. And I said, I think you're afraid because you don't have God. And I think that that gun is an answer, but it's not the answer. And he goes, what are you talking about? And it was like God just put something in my heart. And I took the risk of saying it. And I said, I don't think you would shoot me with that gun. And his eyes got big. And I said, I think that gun's been sitting there and you've contemplated shooting yourself because you're afraid. I was afraid like that. And I didn't want to live. And God saved me. God miraculously brought me out of drugs and alcohol. His eyes are still big. And I said, I wish you would give that gun to someone else because I'm afraid for you. But I know that Jesus can take all of that away. And he twisted the safety on that gun, put it back in the bag, and cinched the bag up. And said, you got a piece of paper? I said, yeah. And I handed him a piece of paper, and he pulled a pen. He had a plastic thing with a bunch of pins sticking in it in his pocket. And he pulled one of the pins out, and he wrote down a number, and he handed it to me, and he said, will you call me when you get home? I said, yeah. I will. He said, okay. And he got out of my Bonneville and started to walk to his trailer and I said, sir. And he goes, yeah. And I saw a little tear and I said, please, would you just take this gun with you? <laughs> and I said, give it to somebody else, but take it. I, I, can't, I can't go home with this gun sitting in the seat of my car. And he goes, yeah, I got it. Don't worry. Don't worry. I called him. I called a pastor I knew in the area, connected the two of them together. Never saw him again, never heard from him again. But when you want to talk about a witness and your, your worst experience as a witness, that is mine. That is mine. And I think all of us can relate to some of those parts of the emotions that I just conveyed as we try to witness, all right? But you and I have given, been given, we are given, we are being given the responsibility, and that is that we will be his witness. We, we belong to him. We will be a witness of Jesus Christ, and that we need to be prepared now, I had gotten very excited about witnessing, and I had been, like, coached and, and encouraged to be a witness, but I had not been prepared. The one thing the conference didn't do was prepare me to be a witness. It just told me I had to be one. And so I don't want to stand here today as we close out this series on drawing near to God and say that you will draw near to God as you are following the discipline of witness or being a witness 
and make you feel guilt and shame and, and make you feel as though you're disqualified in some way to be a witness. I don't want that to happen for you. But this is what Jesus leaves with his followers. You shall be my witnesses. Now, what does that mean? By, by, by definition, it is, it is one who testifies uh, to any fact from his own personal knowledge. So you can't be a witness of Jesus if you don't know Jesus. We, that's, that is our starting place, if, if you will. And, and the, the importance of a witness has been through time. Matter of fact, in, in the, the, the old uh, Mosaic law in the Old Testament, two witnesses under oath were necessary to convict a person of charges. Two people had to have been there and had to have fact and had to have, have been able to see and know that this person had actually committed this particular crime. And that was so much so and, and so much important that, that those two witnesses would indeed, in fact, cast the first stone if that person was convicted of that crime. The Greek word that we associate with witness is martyr. (laughs) The apostles were witnesses. They were witnessing. They were proclaiming to the world uh, the facts of the gospel. You see this all through Acts and in, 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 in First and Second Peter. Christ is, is even spoken of it, the faithful witness testifying to us of heavenly things because he's been there. He came from heaven to earth. He became a man. And in becoming a man and walking among men and calling people to him, he became that holy witness, that faithful witness, if you will. Those people in the Old Testament and New Testament and in the early church, they were the witnesses of the power of God's true faith as the church grew and as the gospel went forward. And we are in that. We are the current witness. We are the ever-present witness now, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you and I, must be diligent. This must be a discipline in our lives to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He has promised you and I that we have this power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to be able to help us to be His witness. The question then is, it comes down to is how do, how do we do that? And I'd like to try to give you a, a couple of things here, if I can, uh, to talk about that a little bit. And I hope that this conversation continues on from today, that this is not just you just hearing me encourage you to be a witness and to, to bring this spiritual discipline into your life, but that you actually are talking about these things with one another and encouraging one another and, and helping each other through this place of finding how you are to be a disciplined witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing that I think will help you is if you will start to maybe think of yourself perhaps in different terms than you have previously thought of yourself. And, and I would ask you, do you think of yourself as an ambassador of Christ? Because that is what the Scriptures say that you and I are. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Therefore, we, the body of Christ, we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, we are the representatives. We don't speak on our own 
behalf. We don't speak of our own benefit. We don't carry our own agenda anymore, but we've died to ourselves so that Christ is living through us. Therefore, we now are the ambassadors of this Christ, and we are making His appeal. God is actually doing it. We are doing it, but God is doing it through us. So the power of God is coming through us, and He is making His appeal to mankind, all right, through us, through the followers of Jesus Christ. And so He says, we therefore implore you on the behalf of Christ that you be reconciled to God. That's our message. That's our, our, our delivery, if you will, is be reconciled to God. Now that message can take on a lot of different form and a lot of different uh, ways to, to, to happen, but it's not going to happen if we don't position ourselves in that identity If you don't see yourself as an ambassador, you're not going to be an ambassador. You're not going to function as an ambassador would, all right? And so that's, positionally, that's where we start. That's where we stand, all right? I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, I am an ambassador of Christ. I am representing Him. So when I go to the supermarket, I'm an ambassador. When I go to my job, I'm an ambassador, When I come to church, I'm an ambassador. When I have a flat tire, I'm an ambassador. When I burn my finger, I'm an ambassador. (laughs) When someone ticks me off, I'm an ambassador. All right? So I, I live out of that identity that I have in Christ. I am an ambassador. And this will help you, I believe, if you start to see yourself this way, this will help you in in witnessing because it will help you to take responsibility for this call, this role uh, this, that, that, that you have, all right? So now you're an ambassador, but how do you think of yourself at, in, in that role of ambassador, all right? Are you witness or are you savior? Where do you, where do you, where do you land? Can't you, I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes don't you just feel like that, and it isn't God's doing, but don't you just feel like that God just puts the whole weight of responsibility on your shoulders? I've got to win the lost. I've got to win the world. I've got to win the city. I've got to win the neighborhood. I mean, you got two crazy pastors who are constantly telling you, we're going into the neighborhood. We're going into the city. We're going into the state. We're going into the region. We're going into the nation. We're going into all the nations. Let's all go. We're a missional church. Let's go. Let's win the lost. It's a good message. <laughs> it's just you and I have to learn how to do it and how to do it in ways that are, that are good and right and glorifying to Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. All right? Don't don't be embarrassed to represent the Lord, all right? Don't be embarrassed to represent another believer, all right? But rather share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I'm going to tell you what. Some people might say, well, you didn't really get hurt that day, and, you know, he didn't really hit you, and uh, you're right. But I'm going to tell you what, I suffered that day. <laughs> my, my heart 
suffered. My, my physical body suffered. I was sick all the way home driving that car back to my family's house. And when I got home, I didn't realize what I was carrying, the weight of what I was carrying until I got parked and I turned the ignition off and the car became quiet. And I sat there and my body started to shake all over. And I felt the traumatic feelings of those moments when I thought my life was near its end. I was afraid of dying. I want you to live in your true identity, and that is an identity of you are in Christ and the power of God is in you. And you are one who has been rescued. And that is your story. That is your witness. You have a witness. You have a story. You have been rescued. You're not the Savior. I remember early on feeling very guilty when someone, I witnessed to someone and they didn't come to Jesus. They, they rejected my, my, uh, what I shared. They rejected my testimony. They rejected my witness. In my opinion, they rejected me. And that was the problem. I didn't have the right identity. And so I took it all personal. We just join in with the suffering of Christ. We come into this with Him. But you're not a Savior. You're not a Messiah. And He doesn't expect you to be. And so can we take that weight off of all of us today and say, it's not my responsibility to save the world. It's my responsibility to, to witness. And so prepare yourself, if you will. All right? Prepare yourself. Be prepared, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, to make that defense. This is where we have to go, all right, I need some disciplines. I need the Word. I, I need Sabbath. I need fasting. I need prayer. I need confession. I need these things going on in my life. I need to study the Word so I'm prepared to give a good defense based on solid biblical truth. I need to truly experience confession so that I can be a part of someone else's confession when they're ready and prepared. I need fasting to break the grip of fear in my own heart. I need simplicity so I can focus on God. I need the discipline of service so that I can, can appropriate the necessary lifestyle that will allow me to be able to give at the appropriate times to others around me who are in need and open that door to be the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give you just one, one example from Scripture, and I take it from Adele Calhoun's book, if you will, because I think she, she does the best job of kind of putting, putting it together. And she says that, that Paul is the greatest missionary. All right, he's the, he's the greatest witness, if you will, of the early church. But she points out that Paul tells his story in a myriad of ways. 
very, wherever he's at, that's, that he kind of tailors his story to that particular audience, if you will. So she makes reference of Paul being in Athens, of Paul being in Corinth, of Paul being in Rome, of Paul being in Jerusalem, all these different places. But in each of these places, in one place he's arguing or debating, if you will, with the Greeks and with the philosophers. In another place, he's just in community with Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, in another place, he's a tent maker. Uh, he, he is living a lifestyle where he is able to get into the lives of people and actually share himself and share his witness. And that witness seems to oftentimes begin with, I was against God. I was against his Christ, and he blinded me on a road, and he gave me sight. And now I am dead to myself, and I live in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was constantly living out the power of the resurrection as a witness. And what he did was uniquely he suited whatever he said to who he was with. Now here's what I want you to understand. You have a story. And you're called to witness of that story to others. And most of the people around you are not unlike you. They struggle with the same kinds of hurts. They feel the same kinds of frustrations. They have the same kinds of questions. They live in in the same kind of community. Now, some of you, you you have a deeper calling. I shouldn't say a deeper calling because that's not actually right. You have a different calling, and you feel very much a lot of care and compassion for people not like you but who are still in the community. And so you're able to go into those people's worlds and you feel very comfortable there and God's given you that ability to do that. I think you need to go then. That's not for everyone. But what I want you to understand is where God is calling you is appropriate and where God is calling you, He is equipping you to go. And please don't discount the message that you are to bring, the witness of the gospel. And that, that... Our children are being given a witness right now in in the rooms on the other side of this building. And any one of you can be a witness to any one of our children and share the gospel and share the, the story of the rescue with them. There there are no boundaries here of age or IQ or education or wealth or any of these things. The only boundary is the one that you place on yourself when you say, I can't go to that person or I can't go to that people group or I can't witness. And the reality is that we need to be able to be a people who say, you know what, I'd love to tell you a story sometime, but I'm a person who's here to do life with you. We're in the same neighborhood. We're in the same church. We're in the, we, we go to the same supermarket. We go to the same events. or we're, we're members of the same kind of clubs or whatever. And so I want to get to know you. And, I want, and, and God, I want to be a witness in this person's life. 
And that's where I think the, the discipline falls. That's, that's where we start to have to say, okay, I, I need to be an example. I need to be a witness, if you will. And so I'd like to close with giving you sort of a practical application here, a place of helps, and I'm going to give you like six things this morning. And then um, I'm really going to put Melissa on the spot because she's going to come and she's going to share the gospel with you this morning. And so she's going to give you this opportunity to hear the gospel shared uh, today. All right. I would ask you to do this in, in the next week. First of all, I'd ask you to go into the Old Testament and read how God rescued his people. Because I think it's really important for you to have a good understanding of God as your rescuer. And look at what he did for the Israelites. Just see how God time and time again rescued the Israelites and get this sense of God is a rescuer. And then after you've done that, then move into the New Testament, if you will, all right? Move into the New Testament and look at how God rescued you. Look at what God did for you in the New Testament through his son, Jesus Christ. Get a good understanding, a good breadth of understanding there. And then here's the third thing, and I think this is super important for you. Write your rescue story out. When I take teams to Brazil, I ask them all, I want you to write your story. I want you to be able to share your story. I want you to think about it. I want you to write it out so you're really familiar with it. You're really able to just share your story out of your heart. I want you to, I want you to just live in your story of how Jesus rescued you personally, all right? Because that's the story you can tell time and time again, over and over and over again. And it's the best story you have. So write your story out, okay? And then once you've got it written out and, and, and you, you, you're pretty happy with it, you feel good about it, okay? Then I would ask you to please find another believer, someone in Life Church or another believer who's a close friend of yours that you really trust, and ask them to please allow you to tell them your story. And what you're doing is you're creating an environment there where there's a lot of grace and a lot of, of acceptance and encouragement, and so you just tell your story to that person and get comfortable now. You're now articulating your story to someone else and you're, you're getting comfortable with someone else listening to your story and reacting to your story. And by this point, you're, you're really in a good, solid, and powerful place, all right, because you've now written out your personal rescue story and you've shared it with someone else. So I'd like for you to think about at least five people and maybe there are people that you've been praying for. Maybe they're a close family member. Maybe there's someone at work. Maybe there's someone in your neighborhood. Um, and, and I would ask you that you would begin to believe that God could use you to share your story with those five people. And that you would be intentional to identify those opportunities and take them. They may not happen for days or weeks or months but you're praying for that person and you're asking God to open a door of opportunity. So what Paul asked the church to pray. 
pray that a door of opportunity will open for me to preach the gospel. All right? You're simply praying, God, make a doorway of opportunity for me to share my, my rescue story with someone else that I care about, that I, that I love, that, I, that I'm, I'm concerned about, that I know in some way. And so you get these five people and you just continue to pray over them. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a true believer in, in, in terms of being a, a good witness, one that has real integrity, is that you try to build relationship first, all right? And before you talk to someone about Jesus, you talk to Jesus about that someone, all right? So you're praying for these five people and asking God to open this door for you. And then finally, you take the opportunity when it comes. You take the opportunity when it comes. And I believe God will give you that. I believe God will help you and, and he, he will give you that opportunity. Now listen, those five people, they can't be someone that you know over in China. Well, I could write them a letter. I know that. I know that. You could. And that's all right, but that's not one of your five. All right? You can do that. And, and, and you can care about, you know, your, your lost sister, our, our brother that's down in Mississippi. That's great, okay? But I'm talking about where you know there is going to be some opportunity. You, these are people you run into, you see on a daily or weekly basis. They come in and out of your life. It may be, you know, I got a mailman I, I want to talk to. He, he always stops and talks to me. Now, I've watched him on our street. He doesn't stop and talk to other people. He will actually sometimes come and bring the mail and ring the doorbell and hand me the mail because he's got something to say. And we're about the same age, and he, he, he likes a little bit of a southern flavor because uh, he went down south during some, some event and, and had a good... He's got a fond memory down there. There's just a few... The oddest of connection, but I'm sensing that there's a connection here, and I'm going to get a chance to talk to this man someday about Jesus. And so I need to be, be intentional in how I go about doing that. I need to be praying for him. All right, are we on board? Everybody kind of get that? Let, I, I really want to, I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to take it very seriously, all right? And let's do this. I think if you will do those things in that order, it will prepare you. It will, it will help you. And then you and I will be his witness. And as the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will be able to be his witnesses. And we'll be making disciples. And there'll be chances for some of you to do it beyond here and beyond the five but, hey, if we all just started with five, oh, my goodness, we could have a dramatic impact right here where we are. And so I want to challenge you to do that today, that that be where we land, okay? All right, now, Melissa's going to come, and she's going to share this marvelous gospel message with you and give you a, a jump start here, all right? I was kind of thinking this morning a little bit about when I started following Jesus in high school and I remember just knowing that God was saying, follow me. And I'm like, why, why do I even want to do that? Um, and as time went on, as I started to read the Bible and get to know him, the gospel became clearer and clearer to me why I wanted to follow Jesus. 
And that was because in the beginning, God created everything. He made it good. But then sin and evil entered the world um, through our disobedience. And God didn't want to leave it that way. He didn't want to leave us separated from him. And so he sent Jesus, his son, um, as a man to come and live perfectly on earth to show us the way, um, to show, reveal God to us so we would understand him and restore that relationship. And then Jesus died, um, the death of, for our sin, and then he was raised again so that sin and death and sickness were no longer the answer and no longer the final word. Um, and that we could trust him and follow him and learn the good news that we can be saved. We can have relationship with God. Um, and that's the Jesus that I've come to know and I know many here have. Um, but right now we want to invite you, if you haven't heard that or you just you need courage, you need the Holy Spirit to help you as you to understand who you are as a witness, um, the prayer team's going to come up. I invite them to come up. And then um, after I pray, if you need prayer, um, they'll be here to pray with you um, for whatever you need. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you came, that um, you've made a way so that we can know you, we can follow you, we can be restored, we can be reconciled, we can know you deeply and personally, um, that sin and, and evil and sickness and death no longer separate us. And so I pray, God, that you would help us to be witnesses of this. Um, God, every way that you have rescued us, that we would use that as a story um, to make our mess your message, that we would be your messengers and, and love those around us and share how you have changed us. So, God, we just ask for your help. And we ask that you would um, help us as we, we carry out these uh, assignments just to faithfully do them and learn what it is in a greater way to be your witnesses. We just pray you would send us out with your Holy Spirit and your blessing this week. In Jesus' name, amen.